priest. So, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, they have been standing in God, not compromising. God has continued to elevate them uh, to influential positions in the Babylonian empire under the king. If you know the king's name, shout it out. Nebuchadnezzar. That's a tough one. Daniel has been interpreting dreams. Last week we saw that the three Hebrew boys were delivered from a fire because they were depending solely on God. God is revealing his power and provision over and over and over. Because when you depend on God, you find out that he always comes through. I was going to say it, but I got to give credit to Apostle Clay Nash because he said it first that we are about to celebrate Independence Day, but maybe we should getting maybe we should go back to a dependence day we are so wanting to be independent of everything when god has created us to depend on him independence could be your biggest flaw let me just say this you don't need to learn how to do it on your own that's probably one of the biggest issues with this generation they want to learn how to do everything on their own they want to have this sense of I am independent of anything. And I believe if we're going to fix that, the church has got to become a church that is truly dependent on him and not independent of him. Amen? The United States of America needs to learn how to depend on God. God will always come through. And I want to read a verse from last week to set this up in Daniel chapter 3, verse 29. It says, Therefore I make this decree. Now, this is King Nebuchadnezzar talking. If any people, whatever their race or nation or language, speak a word against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they will be torn limb from limb. Now, that's a law I can get behind. And their houses will be turned into heaps of rubble. There is no other God who can rescue like this. King Nebuchadnezzar is seeing the power of this God, and he doesn't even worship him. But God keeps coming through over and over. God was still showing up even though the king said, this is your God and not my God. And what's unique about Daniel chapter 4 is that this King Nebuchadnezzar, this Gentile king who has not embraced God, he is about to go through a process of having a changed heart. And by the end of chapter 4, King Nebuchadnezzar embraces the God of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that what we all want? Isn't that, we, isn't that what we want of President Biden? I say it often, but I'm going to say it more. We speak more against him instead of into him. All of his ways that are evil are obvious. Why highlight it? There's power in my words. Put them to good use. I don't know what that was. Look, look, at what, look what happens in Daniel chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. King Nebuchadnezzar sent this message to the people of every race, nation, and language throughout the world. Peace and prosperity to you. I want you all to know about the miraculous signs and wonders the Most High God has performed for me. How great are his signs, how powerful his wonders. His kingdom will last forever, his rule through all generations. He says, I want you to know. Some versions and translations say it simply like this. I thought it good to declare. It is good to declare all that God has done for you. 
it is good to declare how powerful he is. And what the enemy wants most is to keep us in an unnatural silence about all that God has done, is doing, and will do. We were not created to be silent. And the church has become some of the most silent people ever. It's just that we have to learn how to define what silence is. Because if all the church talks about is what we disagree with, with I would say it's silent. Everyone knows what the church stands against, but no one knows why or what for. No one knows about people getting out of wheelchairs and people coming from death to life. No one knows about disease running away. No one knows about love pouring down from heaven in a way that no one could explain. And everyone's looking for it. So they're looking for love in wrong places. They look from love for love from the same sex. They look for love and acceptance in the right to murder. And okay. And all they hear from us is ha 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 ha. They don't hear from us how even if you're going through it God loves you. What does come out of your mouth? What do you decree? What do you declare? What do you say? Is it okay so far? In Romans 10, 9, it says this, If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Openly declare. Power of your declaration. In Isaiah 12, 4 through 5, it says this, In that wonderful day you will sing, thank the Lord, praise his name, tell the nations, tell the nations what he has done. Let them know how mighty he is. Sing to the Lord, for, his, for he has done wonderful things. Make known his praise around the world. Job 22, 28 through 30, You will also declare a thing, and it will be established for you. Let me just say that again. You will declare something and it's going to happen. But make sure what you declare is not coming from your prideful want. The wrong decree theology, especially in the charismatic church, is name it and claim it. Well, if God never had it for you, you can claim it all day. But it ain't going to happen. And if it does, according to this chapter, he's going to deal with that too. So light will shine on your ways when they cast you down and you say exaltation will come. Then he will save the humble person. He will even deliver one who is not innocent. Yes, he will be delivered by the purity of your hands. And the enemy is gaining ground because he has deceived so many into thinking that humility means be quiet. That humility means don't say a word. The church has even taught, be quiet when God says, declare. Do you really believe in the power you have with the authority in Christ? Because most people know what's wrong in your life more than what's good. More people know what is going on than what you're believing for. More people hear complaint about our current economic condition. And if I may just be real about it, if it's so bad and we believe God is coming through, why don't they hear the promises that will draw them in? 
I can't do this. <laughs> Y'all just going to have to deal with the spit. Okay. This, this feels better. That's, that's demonic. All right. <laughs> do you believe in the power you have in Christ? I, I was talking to someone about this, and they were in complete agreement with me. So if you're in here, please don't take this personal. It's just such a good illustration point. Christians love to protest. If you believe in the power of your prayer, what good is your protest? You think your picket sign is going to add to God hearing what you say? If you declare a thing and say it, trust me, he's heard it. But we all do that. We got to make spectacles of ourselves to get a point across. We got, we, we got to make sure everyone knows what we stand against to make sure we get the point across. Well, I don't agree with that. I don't agree with this. And God's like, tell them what you do agree with. Are you just declaring negative, negative, negative? Or are we speaking life into dead places? King Nebuchadnezzar was a great and powerful king. But in this chapter, he's going to recognize something. That he can build and he can do and he can make all these great beautiful things in his kingdom. But God's kingdom is far greater than his ever could be. And right now, he can't help but praising what he's seeing. I wonder... Are you praising right now in the midst of what you're seeing? Because everyone's talking about the possible of recession. As a son in the kingdom, I won't go through that. Why are you scared? I don't need to complain about gas prices. You know why? I'm going to buy the gas anyways. Psalm 96, 1 through 3 says this, sing a new song to the Lord, a new song. Let the whole earth sing to the Lord, sing to the Lord, praise his name. Each day proclaim the good news that he saves, publish his glorious deeds among the nation, tell everyone about the amazing things he does. We are to do that every single day. So go through your Facebook feed when you get home about what you posted the past two weeks. Did you declare his goodness or did you complain about the fact that you're actually saying you don't believe he's good? I didn't say that. Yes, you did. This world is, is, is getting worse and worse and worse. Why declare that? I decree and declare that it's going to get better. I decree and declare that this government will put to get on its knees to the most powerful God. I decree and declare great things. And we keep on saying all this negativity and we wonder why there's nothing breaking through. Verse 4, Daniel 4. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was living in my palace in comfort and prosperity. But one night, I had a dream that frightened me. I saw visions that terrified me as I lay in my bed. So I issued an order calling in all the wise men of Babylon so they could tell me what my dream meant. Y'all know what happened, right? Well, when all the magicians, enchanters, astrologers, and fortune tellers came in, I told them the dream, but they could not tell me what it meant. 
At last, Daniel came in before me, and I told him the dream. He was named Belteshazzar after my God, and the spirit of the holy gods is in him. I said to him, Belteshazzar, that's a horrible name, chief of the magicians, I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in you, and that no mystery is too great for you to solve. Tell me what my dream means. Now notice what he says. He says, I was living in my palace of comfort and prosperity. He was experiencing, in other words, a false peace and rest of ungodly security. He was sitting in prosperity and goodness, but it was a false place of rest and peace. And God so loved him that he is about to shake his false peace. If you have a peace and rest in anything but God... Don't be surprised when your life starts to shake and becomes becomes unraveled. Why is everything going wrong? I challenge you that you've been embracing a false place of security and it's not in the Most High God. I have found that no matter how tough life gets, if my security is in Him, nothing is starting to shake me. And when it does start to shake, I have to realize I didn't have rest and peace. Can I get more real? Out of nowhere this week, this rarely happens to me. I have been stressed like crazy. You want to know why? Because I'm the one that's got to look at the finances. And when all this stuff starts coming in, I start to see, oh, dip, dip, how are we going to do, how are we going to do? And in a moment, I got stressed, and, and this, really, this happened to me this morning. I realized something. My peace wasn't in God. It was how big the checkbook was. And now that I've realized that, I believe God was shaking that rest so he could remind me, don't rest in how much tithe is in the account. Rest in me because I've always provided. Is that, is that okay? I know pastors are perfect, but you know, I, I'm not, okay? If you have peace and rest in anything but God, don't be surprised when he starts to shake it and unravel it. And many rest in ungodly places, and that contributes to your inability to produce anything. You know, there's a word in the Bible that is taught wrong all the time. It's called poverty. People think poverty means poor. That's not what the, the, the word actually means when it talks about poverty in the Bible. You know what poverty is in the Bible? Poverty is simply this. means It means not producing. A poverty spirit is that you have embraced a place, you have embraced a place of saying, I don't have to do. I would say that that has taken over America right now. A poverty spirit. Because no one wants to produce anything. Make no mistake, when God created you, he created you to produce something. And no matter how young or old you are, do not ever embrace a false security that convinces you that you have no need to do. In a passage in the Bible titled, Returning to the Lord, this is the promise in Deuteronomy chapter 30. It says in verse 9, the Lord your God will then make you successful in everything you do. 
He will give you many children, numerous livestock. He will cause your fields to produce abundant harvest. The Lord will again delight in being good to you as he was to your ancestors. The Lord your God will delight in you if you obey his voice and keep the commands and decrees written in this book of instruction. And if you turn to the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul. Everything in it. If you return to him, he will make you successful in all you do. Not successful in all you not do. But what I want you to notice in this passage is giving you a beautiful picture of marriage. We forget that we are the bride of the bridegroom. And when a covenant was made between us, that covenant is a marriage type of covenant. And throughout the whole Bible, it goes over and over, if you, then I'll. And a lot of us are asking God, can you, can you, can you? And I would say to you that God has already given you the if you. If you, then I'll. I know why y'all laughing. If you, then I'll. And if you are not producing, I wonder if it's because you haven't returned. If you return, I will make all your harvest plentiful. So if you are going through a season of, of unplentiful, I wonder what you are still in bondage to. There's a difference between deliverance and freedom. The Egyptians were delivered, or the, 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 the Israelites were delivered from Egypt in a day. It took them 40 years to walk in freedom. The fact of the matter is, God has already delivered all of you if, if you have returned to him. The question is, is it hard for you to embrace that deliverance because you are still walking in this wilderness season wondering when God's going to do it when he says, I already have, I'm waiting on the if you. Is this? Okay. The king is realizing that nothing worked in his way. But it worked with Daniel's God. God designed you to do and produce from a posture of real rest and security in the commands and the decrees of God. And the king is saying, I named Daniel after my God, a God that never produced. His God was Bel. That's why Daniel was called Belteshazzar. He was sitting there telling the people, my whole life, I've depended on magicians and astrologers and, and, and zodiac signs and, and, and yoga. <laughs> yeah, y'all don't like that. Nothing wrong with stretching, but when you stretch to false gods, trust me, that ain't no if you covenant. If you didn't like that, I'll talk to you about why you're wrong afterwards. There is nothing wrong with meditation. Oh, y'all thought that was a yoga thing. The Bible says meditate on these things. It's making sure you meditate in a true place of rest and not a false one that the world has told you is good. I don't need to stretch my leg over my head to have peace in God. Praise God. All right, I'm not going to get on that, though. He says... Before I knew this God, 
The ones I was believing in, the one that I named Daniel after, they didn't do a thing. He's declaring how much of a false state he's living in. And now it's easy to assume that what the king is talking about is the dream that we've been discussing for the past three weeks. But if you paid attention to what I was reading, it's not the same dream. Because when King Nebuchadnezzar had the dream about the golden statue, it shook him so bad that he did not tell them the dream in order for them to interpret. But in the scripture I just read, he said, I had another dream that shook me, and I told them the dream, but no one would tell me until Daniel came in. It's a different dream. And Daniel had the kind of relationship where he knew to give God glory and everything so the king could see when he needed something, he could come to Daniel. That's the kind of Christians we need to be. Giving God glory in all things to such a degree that when someone needs something, they don't have to wonder where to go. Do you decree how miserable your life is even though you claim a great God? Because what you decree says everything about your God. Are you able to make his name great in the worst circumstances? I can talk about three Hebrew boys who made his name great by singing in a fire that should have killed him. And you have a bad day with the weather and no one knows how good your God is. I know this is practical, but it's going to get somewhere in a minute. Is this okay so far? So then he talks about the dream. Now this is where it gets cool. Verse 10. While I was lying in my bed, this is what I dreamed. I saw a large tree in the middle of the earth. The tree grew very tall and strong, reaching high into the heavens for all the world to see. It had fresh green leaves and it was loaded with fruit for all to eat. Wild animals lived in its shade and birds nested in its branches. All the world was, fled from the, was fed from the tree. Then, as I lay there dreaming, I saw a messenger, a holy one, coming down from heaven. And the messenger shouted, cut down the tree. Lop off its branches. Shake off its leaves and scatter its fruit. Chase the wild animals from its shade and the bird from its branches. But leave the stump and the roots in the ground. Bound with a band of iron and bronze and surrounded by tender grass. And now let him be drenched with the dew of heaven and let him live with the wild animals among the plants of the field. For seven periods of time, let him have the mind of a wild animal instead of the mind of a human. Dang, God. For this has been decreed by the messengers. It is commanded by the Holy One so that everyone may know that the Most High rules over the kingdoms of the world. He gives them to anyone he chooses, even the lowliest of people. Let's talk. You've got this beautiful tree, middle of the earth. It's tall. It's strong. It's beautiful. It's producing so much fruit that everyone can eat from it. And this messenger comes and decrees something on behalf of God. Cut it down. And he says, when it's cut down, this man is going to be changed. And the man is going to go from someone that 
thinks like a man to someone who's got the mind of a wild animal. In other words, they're going to go crazy. And when the stump is bound, it's going to lose its freedom and its greatness. God was speaking to King Nebuchadnezzar's false security and rest in the kingdom that he has built for himself. He said, yeah, you built a great city. You built a beautiful thing. You built a beautiful nation. You built a beautiful system called church. But if it wasn't built for me, it's going to get cut down. Before I say anything else in this message, hear me on this. It has already been decreed by the very voice of God that anything not built in him will be cut down. So we don't have to worry about anything. Oh, this horrible leader on our country. If it's not built in God, if you understand the power of a decree, it has already been decreed that if it's not built for him, it's going to get cut down. Including the church. The messenger decree, you can be great, but God is the one who rules over all and no one is more powerful than God. So make sure that you are submitted to the all-powerful. As I was reading this, I started to remember a story I learned a long time ago in the Bible. And it's in Luke chapter 13. I'm going to read verse 6 and 7. Jesus told this story. A man planted a fig tree in his garden and came again and again to see if there was any fruit on it. But he was always disappointed. Finally, he said to his gardener, I have waited three years and there has not been a single fig. Cut it down. Sound familiar? It's taking up space in the garden. It has been decreed. He is ruler over all. And if a thing is not producing under the anointing and commands and instruction of God, it will be humbled and it will get cut down. Notice this. The one who came to see the fig tree, it says he was always disappointed. Not because it wasn't producing fruit, it wasn't producing figs. I began to wonder if there was more to this parable than just the parable of the fig tree. What if God sees many producing tons of fruit, but it's fruit that you were never created to produce? You're producing fruit and growing a tree that is out of alignment with your purpose. So you can be making all the money in the world and you can have a house and you can have a job. But if God did not mean that for you, he said it's not producing and it will get cut down. It's, y'all Okay. Let me read these next two verses. The gardener answered, Sir, give it one more chance. Leave it another year, 
and I'll give it special attention and plenty of fertilizer. If we get figs next year, fine. If not, then you can cut it down. Now, we always talk about this. Look at Jesus saying, let me tend to it. Grace says, give it a chance. But grace also embraces justice. I'm going to fertilize it. But if it does not accept me, Father, cut it down. The power of a decree. It was said from heaven that it must be cut. So let us decree from heaven, Lord, show us what needs to be cut so that your garden remains beautiful and purposeful, producing fruit for your glory and not myself. It is time the church takes an honest inventory individually and corporately and saying, God, show me, am I producing the fruit I was created to produce or have I built a life producing nothing you ever wanted from me? And Lord, if I'm doing that, show me what needs to be cut back. Maybe it's your pride. Maybe it's the way you steward. Maybe you have cheapened yourself and you don't believe you can do the thing that you know God has called you to do, so you'll settle for something else. I don't know what it is. But God, what needs to stay and what needs to go? What are you giving your eyes and ears to that's causing you to believe in a reality opposite from heaven on earth? I am not waiting on Jesus to come back to experience heaven. I want to walk in it right now. I, 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 want, I want to be able to come together with a group of people and see stupid things happen because we're in a place that we cannot understand. The thing about the, 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 the tongues of fire appearing above their heads, it's not about tongues. It's about how the heck did that just happen? Can, the, the church makes it about tongues. It wasn't about tongues. They were sitting in a place in unity and something ridiculous happened and they all saw it and all they could do was praise you God. I want that kind of culture. I, I want to be able to come in here and everyone see a, 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 an angel that makes us scared to death. I want to be able to come in here and see people fall on the floor before a note even gets touched because the power of God is so thick that it, they, it gets cut down immediately. And the beauty, the beauty of this parable is this. It's cut down so he can build it back up. It doesn't say kill the tree. It says cut it down. So I can rebuild it. So I can give fertilizer to it. So that I can do something great with it. Because right now, it is in an unsecure, false state of peace and rest. Just like King Nebuchadnezzar. This okay? Look what happens in Daniel 4.19. Upon hearing this, Daniel, also known as Belteshazzar, was overcome for a time, frightened by the meaning of the dream. Then the king said to him, Belteshazzar, don't be alarmed by the dream and what it means. Belteshazzar replied, I wish the events foreshadowed in this dream would happen to your enemies, my Lord, and not to you. 
The tree you saw was growing very tall and strong. I, I, I missed verse 18, but basically the, he says, hey, Daniel, tell me what the dream means. Verse 20. The tree you saw was growing very tall and strong, reaching high into the heavens for all the world to see. It had fresh green leaves and was loaded with fruit for all to eat. Wild animals lived in its shade. Birds nested in its branches. That tree, your majesty, is you. You have grown strong and great, and your greatness reaches up to heaven. You rule to the ends of the earth. And then you saw a messenger, a holy one, coming down from heaven and saying, Cut down the tree and destroy it, but leave the stump and the roots in the ground. Bound with a band of iron and bronze and surrounded by tender grass. Let him be drenched with the dew of heaven. Let him live with the animals of the field for seven periods of time. This is what the dream means, your majesty. And what the Most High has declared will happen to you, my Lord the King. You will be driven from human society and you will live in the fields with wild animals. You'll eat grass like a cow and you'll be drenched with the dew of heaven. Seven periods of time are going to pass while you live this way until you learn that God rules over the kingdoms of the world and gives them to anyone he chooses. But the stump and the roots of the tree were left in the ground. This means that you will receive your kingdom back again when you've learned that heaven rules. If you are living a life that is opposite of the rule of God, it has been decreed and declared that everything about it will get cut down. Unless you cut it down first. Notice the passage starts off with Daniel saying it troubled him. He says, I wish this dream wasn't for you. You know what it shows? Daniel cared for the king. Even though the king was worshiping a false god and has tried to murder him like twice by now. Reminds me a lot about David and Saul. It reminds me a lot about like the disciples and Jesus. They left in a moment. One of them betrayed him. No one wanted to stay with him. Daniel cared for this king. He's like, I, I don't want this to be true, but regardless, I've got to speak to you about what God was revealing. Why? Because he cared about the king and wanted the king to, to become what he was meant to be. So his interpretation was the decree that King Nebuchadnezzar needed to hear. What was the decree? King, you are meant to have this kingdom. But what you're building it on now, it ain't going to last. And if we can get real for a second, the, one of the biggest issues in the church is if Blaze had a dream that was for me that said something against me, this is what church does. I get offended, Blaze must not be speaking from God, and I just rebelled against a decree that was given to prevent me from being cut down. That is why it is so imperative that we build such close-knit relationships in a church so that when you get a thing from God and speak it to me, I hear the decree instead of choosing the bait of Satan called offense. I should be able to speak into you and say, God has shown me this. If you don't change, you're going to get cut down without me having to worry about you running away like a little four-year-old. See, that offended one of you. We should be able to talk to each other and say, you know what? Let me speak something into you because I don't want you to get cut down. 
Could God be giving the fertilizer for someone's growth through a revelation he's giving to you? Daniel was scared to death to give it to him because he didn't know what was going to happen. Or the rest of them were anyways. And Daniel said, I've got it. This bothers me, but I'm going to give it to you. Perhaps if we learn to embrace love as the people of God, we would allow God to speak whatever he wants to speak through us. Because the beautiful thing about a decree is that God has decreed it, but God also wants it spoken through the ones who now carry his authority. God can say stuff all day. But if he has given you the authority in the earth, then your voice is needed to become in agreement with God to make it happen, but your voice can't be silent. Your voice has got to start saying it. Instead of saying things about Savannah in a negative way, this city is God's. It, we decreed and declared for 50 years that Roe versus Wade would get overturned. It eventually happened. I think we need to start decreeing and declaring that adoption costs become next to nothing. Because we got that, but now we got an issue. There's going to be a lot of motherless and fatherless kids. I think we need to start declaring that, declaring that Savannah is a city on a hill. Not will become, is. I think we need to start declaring that the homeless people that live under the bridge have a King Nebuchadnezzar experience where they're living like wild animals, but one day they're going to look up and say, hey, this is not what I'm created to be. I think we need to start declaring over our sons and daughters who have left saying, hey, you are out living like a wild animal, but one day you are coming back, prodigal son or daughter, and you will not live like that anymore. That's the kind of stuff we got to start saying. Not, I'm tired of this and I'm tired of that. Speak life into dead places. Oh, I'm passionate about this tonight. He says, if you, he says, King, if you listen to this dream, you're going to receive the kingdom back. See, he's not decreeing a curse. He's, de he's declaring a, a purpose and promise. And we do really good at cursing things instead of declaring promise over things. Well, they're too far gone. You just cursed it. Because I know a God that's got the best fertilizer so that fig tree will start producing figs. Look, look, look at verse 27. King Nebuchadnezzar, please accept my advice. Stop sinning and do what's right. Break from your wicked past and be merciful to the poor. Perhaps then you will continue to prosper. Do you see what just happened? He decreed the truth and he's given him away. Daniel's explaining the decree. If you stop sinning and do what's right, it doesn't have to happen. You don't have to get cut. You know, right before the parable of the fig tree, Jesus goes on for five verses talking about repentance. It says this in Luke 13, 1 through 5. Jesus was informed that Pilate had murdered some people from Galilee as they were offering sacrifices at the temple. Do you think that those Galileans were worse sinners than the other people from Galilee? Jesus asked, is that why they suffered? Not at all. And you'll perish too unless you repent of your sins and turn to God. What about the 18 people who died when the tower in, in Siloam fell on them? Were they the worst sinners in Jerusalem? No, I tell you that unless you repent, you will perish too. 
What about the people that are leaving the state to get abortions? Do you think you're better than they are? Because if you don't repent, your fate will be as their kids. Do you mean say that a little slower so y'all understand what I just said? The mama that leaves Georgia to go to a state where it's legal to have an abortion is going to kill her baby. If you don't repent from your stuff, your fate is the same as that baby's. But you feel so much better talking about her sinful decision. I'm like, I'm like Daniel right now. Like, I know I'm supposed to say it, but hear me. <laughs> if you do not change your ways, you will perish. If you do not change your ways, you will get cut down. Do you understand this? If we do not change our ways and embrace God in every single place, the stuff that's not of him, it will get cut. And praise God for it. Do not stay in a false security and false rest saying, well, God is just going to have his way. No, you don't understand. God is going to have his way. And he's not overlooking you. Daniel doesn't just say stop sinning. He says stop sinning and do what's right. Because you're called to do something, but make sure that what you do is glorifying God. First John 3, 7 through 9. Dear children, don't let anyone deceive you about this. When people do what is right, it shows they're righteous, even as Christ is righteous. But when people keep on sinning, it shows they belong to the devil who's been sinning since the beginning. But the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. Those who have been born in the God's family do not make a practice of sinning because God's life is in them. So they can't, you can't keep on sinning. Do you read? This is New Testament. If you are of Christ, you can't keep in the same sin. We refer to it as habitual sin. It's one thing to mess up. I get it. But to stay in an intentional place, you cannot be of him and do that. And I don't care what theological interpretation it is. That don't need any. They can't keep sinning because they're children of God. So now we can tell who are children of God and who are children of the devil. Anyone who does not live righteously and does not love other believers does not belong to God. And let me just define living righteous. It's the pursuit of righteousness. Are we, are we going to be perfect in all we do? No, but I am perfect. We read that in a whole study called Ephesians. Perfect, spotless, wonderful. Right? That is why you can't keep going on sinning because who you are doesn't match your lifestyle. So he says, there has got to be something in you that recognizes the wrong and you have a pursuit to change the wrong. It's like this. If I'm in this habitual lifestyle of sin... There's a difference in embracing it, and there's a difference pursuing getting out of it and messing up. But eventually, you got to get out of it. And you want to know why most people don't get out of it? 
We don't simply get transparent with each other and say, brother or sister in Christ, I am in this. Because you're scared to death that someone's going to judge you for your sin instead of doing what, king, what Daniel's doing to the king. Hey, man, let me embrace you. Because I don't want to see you get cut down. So thank you for telling me so I can keep you accountable. You want, you want to know why most people get cut down? Because they don't feel like they can share a thing. I can't tell you how many conversations in the past year someone has said, I did this, I understand if you don't want me to lead. And I always say the same thing. I want you to lead because you are supposed to lead. And I will walk you through anything. That's what Jesus did. Peter straight up denied knowing him, and a few days later, he's like, all right, Peter, you done with your little hissy fit? Let's go. That, that's, the, that's the culture that the church has to embrace again. Regarding someone by their spirit and not the acting of their flesh. You know what I believe the church should be loud about right now? I love the fact that Roe versus Wade got overturned. I do. But we need to be the kind of church that says, for those of you that have had abortions, we love you despite. Because we got to raise up a child in the way it should go. And some of them are returning home and they don't know what home looks like. And they're looking for it everywhere. Is this, is this speaking to y'all tonight? Do not be deceived. Sometimes the only way to get rid of a habitual habit, walk in a decree saying, God, cut it down. Because again, he wants to cut it down to build it back up. So this is what happens in verse 28. All these things did happen to King Nebuchadnezzar. Twelve months later, he was taking a walk on the flat roof of the royal palace in Babylon. As he looked out across the city, he said, I'm going to put Kyle's translation, he decreed. Look at this great city of Babylon. By my almighty power, I have built this beautiful city as my royal residence to display my majestic splendor. Now, here's what's funny, and this is why I know God put me on Luke 13. In Luke 13, the, 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 the bond dresser says, cut it down. And then Jesus says, give it one more year. How many months did Nebuchadnezzar go after he saw this dream? Twelve months. Okay, well, that blew my mind. I guess it God said, I will give this man one year to understand that this is not about him. And King Nebuchadnezzar, look at what I built. Look at what I did. It's happened in the church. I built this church. Look at what I did. Right? Instead of declaring the greatness of God, he was declaring the greatness of himself. And that was the very thing that God said, I've got to cut that down. Let me say it like this in Proverbs 16, 18. Pride goes before destruction. Haughtiness before a fall. Proverbs 16, 5. The Lord detests the proud, and they will be punished. Proverbs 11, 2. Pride leads to disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. The wrong decree will produce as well, just not in your favor. 
The king decreed a thing in opposite of God, and it triggered God saying, now is the time to make you go insane, my friend. We always talk about the power in your words. It works for you and against you. My kid's horrible. It can work for you. Or if you keep saying that he's horrible, he's going to get more horrible. Why? Because your child is under your authority. And the fertilizer you just spoke was helping it grow the wrong fruit. Okay. Verse 31. While these words were still in his mouth, while the king was talking about how great he was, a voice called down from heaven. Oh, King Nebuchadnezzar, this message is for you. You are, you are no longer the ruler of this kingdom. You will be driven from human society. You will live in the fields with the wild animals. You will eat grass like a cow. Seven periods of time will pass while you live this way until you learn from the most high rules over the kingdoms of the world and gives them to anyone he chooses. In other words, he's saying, you're going to learn that I can do whatever I want and you ain't all that. The same hour the judgment was fulfilled, and Nebuchadnezzar was driven from human society. He ate grass like a cow. He was drenched with the dew of heaven. And he lived this way until his hair was as long as eagle's feathers and his nails were like bird's claws. The same words he had in the dream he heard in a voice from heaven. The dream was being fulfilled. And he was gone seven periods of time, seven years. You know, if you look at ancient Greek history, they talk about King Nebuchadnezzar. And obviously, they don't talk about our God, but this is what they do say. King Nebuchadnezzar disappeared for seven years, went insane, and one day he showed back up completely saying he got the kingdom back. Fact. I wonder what decrees you've spoken that have been honored for your good or not. Because when he is all about the wrong thing, the false security, the false rest, the pride, it took him down. I mean, think about this for a second. You have a king that had the most powerful kingdom empire in the world. Remember the statue? His was the golden head of the statue. It was the most powerful. And in a moment, he was looking like a crazy man eating grass on four legs like a cow with hair that grew long and nails that were like eagle's claws. Isn't that kind of foolish? That God would do that? Let me remind you of a scripture in 1 Corinthians 1. Remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they're wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. As a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. You know why? We'll get cut down. God has united you with Christ Jesus, 
For our benefit, God made him to be the wisdom itself. Christ made us right with God. He made us pure and holy. He freed us from sin. Let me just say that again. You are free from sin. You are pure and you are holy. Don't let anyone else make you think anything else of yourself. Therefore, as scriptures say, if you want to boast, boast only about the Lord. I would say if you can't praise God, you have not, have a, you have not had a proper revelation of what he's done for you. He uses foolish things to confound the wise. It's foolish of a church believing if we speak to the weather, it will obey. It's foolish for a, a Christian church to pray for our president. It's foolish for a church to gather in the middle of an epidemic. It's foolish that we keep decreeing things without seeing it produce. But thank God someone did for 50 years. It's foolish to keep decreeing when all you see is decrease, 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 decrease. But what if God is using the decrease, decrease, decrease to say, now I got you to a stump and it's time to grow. In verse 34, after this that passed, this time had passed, I, Nebuchadnezzar, looked up to heaven and my sanity returned. I praised and worshiped the Most High and honored the one who lives forever. His, his rule is everlasting and his kingdom is eternal. All the people of the earth are nothing compared to him. He does as he pleases among the angels of heaven and among the people of the earth. No one can stop him or say to him, what do you mean by doing these things? When my sanity returned to me, so did my honor and glory and kingdom. My advisors and nobles sought me out, and I was restored as the head of my kingdom with even greater honor than before. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and glorify and honor the king of heaven. All of his acts are just and true, and he is able to humble the proud. Seven years of insanity, eating like a cow, looking like an animal. And one day he looked up, and in a moment, restoration. True restoration is not going back to the place you were, it's going beyond. He wasn't just restored as king. He was restored as king with greater honor than ever before. And he was no longer a King Nebuchadnezzar who worshipped many gods. He was the King Nebuchadnezzar that worshipped Daniel's God. God does not just exist, people. He reigns. We need to start decreeing his reign over all things. Nations, families, cities, politics. We've got to get out of this church theology of we just need to bide our time and wait for Jesus to come back, and in the meantime, let's just get people saved. Is that part of it? Yes, getting people saved, absolutely. But there's more to it. You notice that when King Nebuchadnezzar, when his sanity, restored, his sanity was restored, he didn't just realize who God was, but he saw the truth of himself. He realized who he was when he understood who God was. And we're still fighting with people who have never had an encounter with Holy Spirit.
We have arguments with people over political issues who have never met God, and you wonder why they can't agree with you. When really the only thing they need to hear right now is how much he loves them, despite. What's funny is that his sanity was returned to him, and all he could do was praise and worship an unseen God. Think about that for a second. I'm, I'm closing, but think about that for a second. He got his sanity and started praising a God that he could not see. All the other gods were always idols and statues, something that they could see. And now his sanity was restored, and they see him worshiping a God that he could not see anymore. What's even crazier is the God that he cannot see, when he didn't know him, he saw him. The fourth man in the fire. And now he's got more faith, even though he can't see that man with his own eyes. You know what sanity is? Praising and worshiping the one we can't see. Let's redefine sanity. Sanity. Praising and worshiping the one we can't see. Sanity. Declaring things that don't seem like they can happen. Sanity, decreeing truths that don't line up with a seen reality. Let's get even more real for a second. Sanity, a man eating and living like a cow covered in hair with claw nails being restored to king as over a nation. Let's get even more real. A man who ate locusts and honey and wore camel hair, who preached and was put in prison, a man by the name of John, Jesus called the greatest of all, that, of all time. You know what's insane? Thinking that the greatest preachers are the ones who look the nicest. <laughs> Jesus says the greatest one in the kingdom, that dude who eats locusts, honey, lives in the woods, gets in prison, and is just covered in camel hair. He is the greatest. You want to talk about Redefining sanity, a poor Jew whose mother claimed that she got pregnant by an unseen God rose from the dead and saved us. And if we really believe that, I say we start being a church that decrees and declares on behalf of the Most High. That we decree that the United States of America will bow to God. That we decree that the prodigal sons and daughters are returning right now. That we decree that those who feel judged will feel unjudged when they see the goodness of God in people. I mean, we got to start decreeing and declaring like crazy. Devin and Robbie, can y'all come up for a second? And I'm not just going to make this about y'all, but Devin told me I needed to say this. So, I, so I'm going to. Devin has been, uh, she's been dealing with some throat pain for a while. And they, they found some nodes on her throat and her vocal cords and all kind of stuff. Well, last week, they, the, the doctor said that she's got, can, can I say it? That she's got cancer in her throat. And they're actually, she's actually scheduled for surgery this week. So she won't be able to get on stage for the next six months. 
I think we need to stand and declare and decree. Let me say that we need to stand and declare and decree because I, I believe that no matter what the doctors saw, right now in the name of Jesus, can y'all stretch your hands out over Devin and Robbie? We, dec- we decree and declare in the name of Jesus. Cancer, you are not part of this woman and you will not have any part of her. I declare that after she goes through this that the doctors will be amazed and the world will know that you are good because her voice is not going to get back to normal. Her voice is going to be restored. She will have an ability beyond her ability in the past years of her life. She is going to be better than ever giving you praise in the midst of a situation trying to take her voice. We declare that she is meant to lead worship for you, God. We declare and we decree that she is meant to be healthy and restored. So cancer, get the heck out of this woman. You have no place in her body. You have no place in this temple of God. And we believe that when you go into the doctors this week, cancer will be put under your feet. Can someone say amen to that? I want you to stay up here for a second. If there's anyone in this room that has had sickness or disease come against you, I say walk up here in faith right now and let Devin pray over you. Oh, yeah, we got, okay, we got people coming up right now. Just every, everyone, sick, yeah, okay, come on. Altar workers, you can come too. If you just right here in front of De- Devin, if you would, over these next few moments, I, I want you to lay hands on each and every one of them and just start praying what was just declared into you. I want you to start declaring into them. Church, stretch your hands out. Start declaring and decreeing the healing power of God over these people. That sickness and death will not stay. That whatever is coming against you in the name of Jesus, it cannot reign any longer. Come on, lift up your voices. Don't do it silently. We are declaring healing and provision and breakthrough. Come on.